Hello and welcome back to the She Leads the Way podcast, season two. I'm your host, Nikki Bedford, and today's guest is Mena Zaki. She is the Senior Director of Global Brand Communications at PepsiCo and has a wealth of experience across other global brands, including AXA Insurance, Sanofi and Johnson & Johnson. She has a Master's of uh, Marketing. She has an MBA of Marketing and she has a Bachelor's uh, in Biomedical Engineering, which is something that we absolutely <laughs> need to unpack She's a wife and mother of two beautiful girls, uh, passion for adventure, holding certifications as a skilled skipper, which is interesting, <laughs> and a seasoned diver. So today we're going to talk about her journey, both personally and professionally. Mena, welcome Thank to She so Leads much. the Way. <laughs> Thank you very much, Nikki. Quite an introduction. Quite actually. the introduction. So much I want to unpack, actually. Funnily enough, when I thought about it, initially I was like, wow, biomedical, that's interesting. Yeah. But I am also really triggered by the season skipper. <laughs> we'll come to that. Actually, it's 2024 resolution. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, please kick me off. I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your background. Sure. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me to the podcast. I was very interested when I received the message from yes. you. I was really looking forward for it. Um, so as you mentioned, yeah, I'm a biomedical engineer and it's uh, it's a funny story that I always share. So um, I started actually my career in, in Johnson Johnson, as you mentioned. So yes. my career was sales and marketing, where I used to spend most of my time in operations and ICU uh, teaching the doctors how to use the medical devices, um, uh, being with them in the operation room. So my life was totally different. Than you were in the operation yes. room? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so funny enough, it was very different than what I have right now. <laughs> and that was well, like the first three years of my life um, and health economics uh, as well. And then I, um, I got pregnant. I went on maternity leave. And during my maternity leave, I received a call. Uh, from my previous boss in Johnson & Johnson, and she moved to another company, which is Sanofi. And she was like, Minna, I have an opening for a communication, internal communication, would you like to join? Honestly, at the beginning, I was like, what is internal communication? Does it was, she know? What <laughs> like 15 years ago, actually, communication was not an industry that was very well known. Yes. And because I, w I always looked up to this, to this lady and to this manager, she was always a, um, a source of inspiration for me. And I was young. I was like, OK, let me try something new. But did you also say, I am a scientist? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> OK, let me try. <laughs> it, it, it was really funny. And even having this call, I was like, Okay, and I just went there because I really believed in this lady and I know she would actually um, give me the um, right opportunity. Mm. So I went there the first two months. I was a bit struggling. I have to tell you, I was like, what is that? What is internal communication? I was even doubting, did I do the right move or yeah. not? And having a lot of discussions even with my family. But after those two months, I just fell in love with communication. Um, I, uh, I managed internal communication for Sanofi. Then I even moved a little bit into marketing uh, for four years in, in Sanofi. And then my husband moved to Dubai. I moved with him. And uh, this is where I moved to AXA Insurance. I've been leading uh, their regional communication in the Gulf, uh, internal, external, executive communication, social and digital. Um, and then after four years, I got this great opportunity in PepsiCo, where I'm, I am now. Um, at the beginning of my career, I was leading the MENA region. Uh, beside the communication, I was leading also the public policy and government affairs. Mm. And the last year in this role, Expo 2020, which was oh my one of my, the milestones of my career, I have to say. Uh, and then just 18 months ago, I got this great opportunity to lead the Global Brands Communication so I'm managing the earned and media communication for both our global brands, um, the beverage and mm. the food. So 
Pepsi, Gatorade, 7-Up, Aquafina. Um, and then you have on the food side, we have Lay's, Quaker, mm. and Doritos. Um, and yeah, and I have my team like spread in different countries and right now. Oh so my gosh, that's exciting amazing. opportunity. That's amazing. <laughs> on, but I have to ask, the transition was so extreme, moving yeah. from biomedical science yeah. <laughs> and then moving into communications. I know that mm. it was someone that reached out. Was it the fact that you trusted her opinion or was it your gut? Uh, first, trusting her opinion, yes. honestly. No, I, I didn't know that this is the right move. I have to be honest <laughs> with you. It's, you I don't know if you could find two more extreme yeah, two career extreme. moves. But it was really about more about this lady. And she, by the way, she's still my mentor. I, she's a very close friend. She even uh, she moved in different global roles. And now she's here in Dubai. I always see her. And I always go and ask her. I was like, how did you <laughs> think about me in this role? And how did you think I would actually love it? And she was like, I just felt it. And yeah, wow, yeah it was it was a pure luck, but I, I was very happy that I've done that. And I think since then, one of the things that started to come in my mind always is actually stepping out of your comfort zone. Yes. I know it's, um, I would say cliche, it's always said, yeah, step out of your comfort zone, a lot of things that you might be missing. But seriously, I think every time I did something different, mm. I gained lots of experience, I met new people that I never thought I will meet. Um, so it has been an ongoing, very interesting journey. Um, so yeah, it was, honestly, it was luck that got me into comms. And I think uh, it was one of the best moves I've ever done. That's, that's, it's really amazing to hear <laughs> that. And they always say that success is on the opposite, on the other side yeah. of here. So being able to do that, I think that it's evident that that, is, that happened <laughs> in your case. You mentioned just now about mentorship. How important do you think mentorship has been or has played in your life? Um, I have to say um, it has been critical. But the problem is that sometimes as women, we are over-mentored and under-sponsored. Mm. And let me, um, let me talk a little bit about this. So as female leaders, you will have a lot of people around you just telling you, okay, you need to do that, you need to do that, da-da-da but actually someone that would help you to develop your career and to sponsor you within the organization that would open the doors for you. I think that's the, the struggle that we have as women. And I was blessed to actually have a bit of both. And I think this was helped me in my career. So I had like this lady that helped me to go actually into Sanofi. She was my mentor and sponsor. And because of her, I have done different, I would say, roles in even Sanofi. And until then, she's still my mentor and I really look up to her. But within the organizations as well that I moved to, I, I've been always trying to find uh, a mentor that I would learn from, mm. that would inspire me. Um, and I would always go for him or for her for advice. Uh, but sponsor is always a struggle actually to have. You need to have the right relationship with him or with her to help you within the organization. Be very clear on what you do want to do actually in your career. Mm. Um, and this is something that has been, I would say, critical in my career development is I've always had a dream on what I want to do next. Like yes. I always put a plan. OK, in one or two, three years, I want to be there. And then based on this plan, I look for, okay, who can help you throughout this career from mentorship, sponsorship, um, skills. Actually, I need like even moving in, in the comms, like I didn't have the right experience. So this is where I've done my MBA as well in marketing to be able to take yeah. this next move. 
Um, so it is, I feel that is very important, especially as a female leader, you need to have the right support system around yeah. you that will help you to move uh, forward. Absolutely. And you're saying with a sponsorship, it's more like having an active advocate. Yes. So someone exactly. that will actually uh, open doors for you. Yes. So what advice would you give women who are looking for sponsorship or mentorship within their work network? I think a few things. I think the first one is don't expect it will come to your door. Mm. Uh, step, that someone will come and tell you, I'll be your mentor or I'll be your sponsor. You need to find your mentor and you need to find your sponsor. That's the first thing. The second thing is how can you make sure that this mentor or sponsor, you have the right um, chemistry and relationship with and you look up to him or to her uh, as an inspiration and as a leader and to see how he or she will add value to your career and to your development. Um, I think the, 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 um, the relationship is very important in terms of uh, mm. being a mentor or a sponsor. Okay, so the second point is actually when you're looking for your mentor and sponsor, look for a mentor or sponsor that you look up to, that you have a good relationship with, that you have good chemistry actually with, that you can talk openly about your passion, about your career development and inspiration, and let him or her coach you throughout mm. your career. And then the third, maybe the sponsor and mentor, put a plan together on, okay, how he can or she can help you to navigate uh, through your, your career and what advice he would give you and what networks actually or doors he or she can open to you to be able to achieve your goal. Yeah, fantastic. I love that. And I couldn't agree more. I think particularly within Dubai as well, there is such a big networking uh, community and even being able to, which opens up opportunities in its own, in its own right. Mm -hmm. I know when I started even this podcast or even started this company, I had absolutely no idea really what I was doing. <laughs> so I try and find other people that are sort of doing similar things or are launching something from scratch. And yeah. so you're able to help them with things and then likewise, they can sort of help you as well. Agreed. So I love that <laughs> advice. Thank you. So talking about uh, you being a mum to two beautiful girls and you've got this thriving career, can you tell me, you know, how you uh, how you find balance, work-life balance? Uh -oh. It's the big question. <laughs> it's the big question. Everyone's talking about it. Everyone wants to know what uh -oh. are they, what's your, what's your, <laughs> tell us your strategies. Oh, that's a hard one. So I have to tell you, it's a hard one. It, it, and I have to say, it's, it's never easy. It's never easy. But I will start with you need to have the right support system. I, I don't think I'll be able to do it without the right support system mm. uh, from my family, from uh, my husband. Actually, he has been a great supporter to my career from day one. Oh, has he? That's uh, nice. Oh, yeah. He, he's just amazing. Like he's always pushing me um, and I'm traveling a lot. Like he's always there for the kids when I'm not available. So we have the right balance between yeah. uh, each other. And, and he's as well has his own career and has his own trips and, <laughs> and, uh, and activities that he's doing. But really having having him as a support system has been very important. And as well, my mother uh, being there and calling her. Sometimes <laughs> I'm calling her, okay, you need to come right now. I'm traveling tomorrow. <laughs> Mom, I'm she, having she, another mental yeah, breakdown. She's, she's in Egypt. It's like, but she, she hates those courses. Like, oh, Okay, when? Okay, I'll pack my stuff. <laughs> so I think that that was one of the key things that actually helped me to um, to, to to move forward in my career. And I, and I don't think I will be able to do it without the right uh, support system. Yeah, fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, as I was talking, because I know that when we spoke about your intro, mm -hmm. when I had spoken about you having two beautiful girls and a family, yeah. I also referenced you being having a passion for adventure and having certifications as a season skipper. Now, when I said that, and I immediately thought of a jump rope. Is that what oh, it is? Yeah. And that's why I've added driving boats. 
And then I thought to myself, mm, no, it's probably on a boat. Yeah. So you've just answered my question. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. So that's a funny one, actually. So I would have to tell you, like, sea is my happy place. Is it? Anything related to sea, I just love it. Any activities that is there. Um, since I was a kid, I used to go with my family in fishing boat trips we stay in the sea for two or three days so since i was a child <gasps> really i loved it since i was a kid and even growing up fishing has been my thing even with my family and then my partner my husband he grew up it's the same actually even interest really? uh so i'll tell you a very funny story so during our honeymoon yes it was like i have a surprise for he's like yeah sure I booked for us a uh, training for diving and we're going to have our license for driving during our honeymoon. I was oh like, my God. seriously? <laughs> and we used to wake up 7 a.m. in the morning going for this. Like, is this how is this how you're planning our honeymoon? <laughs> this is not the marriage I signed <laughs> up for. I didn't sign for this. <laughs> but then I just loved it because honestly, when you are in, in the sea and when you're diving, you just disconnect from everything. Yes. So since then, my love to the sea and to the water is growing every day wow. then a um, few years back my husband got actually his license and as a, as a skipper and uh, uh, we used to here in Dubai it's very accessible you can just go and rent a boat and you can just drive it oh, cool. uh, for a few hours um, and I was like why don't I do that? That's my 2024 resolution. Love that. So I was like, okay, I called the it's the, the driving, uh, sorry, the um, Maritime Institute. I was like, I want to apply for it. It was a two-day training. I went for it. I completed my training during actually uh, the, the Christmas break. Um, and now I have my lenses. So oh my God, yeah, that's and it's very interesting. I love it so actually. Based <laughs> on the changes that we've seen from you, engineering into communications, maybe next time we yeah, speak, you'll be a captain. captain. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Captain Mena. <laughs> captain Mena. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. In terms like liking fishing, I have a question. Are you good at med do you meditate? Uh no. No. Mm. I don't know why I put these two things together, but fishing for me when I think about it is well, when I think yeah. about it, you're very lonely on a boat with n not catching any fish. <laughs> I'm not a fisher, as you can, I don't know if you can it's tell. It's actually a lot of actually action. Oh, is it? Where, where are you fishing? <laughs> it's a lot of action. Like we we all we go here in in, uh, in the UAE. There's a lot of great spots, and we go to Oman. But it's I would tell you it's like a 12-hour trip throughout the day. Like you go 12? out 4 a.m. in the morning. 4 a.m. Yeah, and you drive like three hours until you reach the fishing spot, and it is sports fishing. It's you keep on actually. It's so how many jigging. fish do you catch? I can show you later. I like, would love to see Oman, that. I, I caught like one of the fish. It was tuna. It was a tr tuna trip. Yes. And we get at least like 30 um, tunas. And the minimum weight of the tuna was from 30 kilos to, I'll say, up to 70 kilos. Yeah, it is. 70 yeah. kilos. I'll show you some of those pictures. Do you, do you have a... I have one that's actually <laughs> taller than me. It I was, have to say that. We'll have to put that up yeah, as well. Yeah, it that's was hilarious. honestly one of the most exciting. Since then, I was like, okay, we're going to do that more <laughs> often now. <laughs> oh, I love yeah, that. Yeah, so, so okay. Well, because in my mind, fishing, I don't know. I haven't really gone fishing. I've never been too excited about oh. it because... I'd be devastated if I went out there and no fish wanted Next time, to... come with me. Nikki. I will. Okay. I will come <laughs> with you. I will come with you. So my last question before we move more into the business side of things, uh, I wanted to ask, and I have a feeling I know what the answer might be based mm -hmm. on your work-life balance answer, um, but do you have a morning routine that you follow? Oh, <laughs> 
I'm really bad in that. I'm okay, really I bad. It. Tell Look, us everything. <laughs> I, I think, especially in in my new role in the global role, it's a very it's very difficult to yes. have actually a morning routine uh, because my working hours even is very different. Like. Uh, most of my team members are not based in in the Middle East, mm. so I have half of my team based in Europe and in Dublin, where okay. almost like four hours time difference, and the other half is in the US. So I work very late hours. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I'm trying, I would say, to manage my day just waking up in the morning, having my <laughs> coffee. I think the to-do list is one of my routines. I have to say. Yes. But then I have lots of calls throughout the day, and then I just have some time, of course, for my kids before they go to bed um at night um yeah that it's i would just say that there is yeah. a routine and also i'm traveling very frequently mm. right now so it is, is actually not helping me to have a proper routine in my life but it seems to work for me so that haphazard go with the flow routine yeah. is fit for men i love actually not having a routine mm. and this is a, and maybe that's why i loved communication Every day you do something new. Yeah. Every day you have a new project, a new event, you're meeting different people. So I'm not a kind of routine kind of person. Yeah. I love to do different things on a daily basis. I'm, I'm fine not having a routine, actually. Are you a coffee drinker? Oh, uh, yes. heavy coffee yeah, drinker. Yeah, you probably would need to with that routine. <laughs> I, but, but I love it. I love the smell yeah. of the morning cup. And maybe this is one of my routines. Morning coffee, two espressos in the morning. It's the most important thing. <laughs> So we're going to pivot to business now, mm -hmm. your role in the global brand communications team at PepsiCo. Can you tell me about any significant challenges that you face, particularly as a woman? Yeah. So I think it's not only in, in PepsiCo, I would say even in, in other industries than other companies. One of the challenges I had always is how can my function, especially in communication, is seen as a strategic function, not a support function. Um, comms is, I would say, it's... Uh, it's not very old function. It's an uh, almost a new function and it's developing year on year. Um, and just for the business to understand the added value that the communication functions bring to the organization, it's sometimes challenging. Mm. And I always feel whenever I'm going to a company, a new company or a new role, it's more that I'm an entrepreneur. I'm yes. building a company or a function from scratch is first um, understanding your the the business and the your team needs uh, making sure that you are sharing uh, what is the added value that mm. you are bringing as a function showing them that you're a subject matter expert gaining their trust and that's always very challenging at the beginning just gaining the trust of your stakeholders once you gain their trust i think things becomes much better but the uh, introduction in the beginning phase is always hard that's why i feel as an entrepreneur i'm building every company almost i was building the function from from scratch but it's as well very rewarding i have yeah, to of say course. how would you go about building their trust then because obviously you're going into it knowing well i know exactly what i'm doing here this is yeah. the function and this is the outcome yeah how do you sort of tell the uh the the powers that be <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I, I, I think I don't do it that way. I think I, I leave them to see the results. Mm. Like, I think one of the things I start doing in any role I move to is just listen a lot. Um, I cannot just come and tell them, okay, I know what I'm doing. Yes. They have to see the results. So I start the first, I'll say, few months just um, getting to know the team, getting to understand their needs, their gaps, what are the opportunities for the functions. Then based on that, I start mapping some, I would say, 
quick wins yes. that would show the added value that we can bring as a function as a team once they start seeing the results mm. they will eventually come to you and ask you for support and then this is where you will have a seat on the table mm. it is not uh, it's not a magic wand like you will just have it and everything <laughs> will be smooth it is a journey that you take with your stakeholder and i don't think it's only in comms i think in any leader moving to any new function he needs to gain trust he yes. and he needs also to listen first you cannot just come and dictate and say okay whatever has been happening before it's not the right way i'm coming to change things you will you will not earn the trust of your team with mm. this attitude i think as much as you are authentic you understand what are the gaps how can you help them and try to find a soul for it i think this is where they will start listening to you they will start supporting you they will bring you again yeah. as i mentioned at the seat of the table and you will be seen as a strategic partner to the organization mm. do you see any future trends based on where you're at in your role yeah every year uh, the media landscape is changing big time mm. and uh, we are actually continuously um, monitoring what's happening what's new um, we just had even uh, like a, a workshop about what's the key trend that will impact our strategy as we're moving into 2024. So a few things that we have found that will really impact even this, our storytelling, our communication yes. strategies moving forward. So the first thing is now stories starts on social. Mm. Okay, The traditional yeah. way of just sending out a press release, going to the media outlets or a TV interviews, this will not work. You need to go social. You need to make sure that you have an interesting story. You need to have a strong narrative mm. and make sure it's not a one size fit all. So the same content cannot be shared on different channels. You need to customize yeah. your message and your story uh, based on the channels that you are actually targeting. So that's one that we're seeing social first, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is media now is overwhelmed with the amount of news they receive externally, they receive from yeah, companies. Yeah. So your uh, story needs to stand out. And now they're looking for uh, data and insights and purpose-driven storytelling. Mm. So you need to make sure that you partner very closely with your in-house insights team um, to share those data points with them in your storytelling and to make sure that you share what is the purpose of your brand? Why mm. are you doing that? So the why is something that is interesting currently right now for the media and will let your story stand out from others. Yeah. And then the third one is how can we, you be culturally relevant? Like you're, you need to be part of the consumer's conversation. Mm. You need to listen to the conversation and be part of it and make sure that you have the right team internally to react quickly. I've seen some of uh, the brands now actually jumping on a certain trend and making the best use yes. out of it and showing their consumers that uh, they are culturally relevant and making sure that they are uh, providing content that is aligned with their passion points. Mm. So being culturally relevant uh, and relevant even locally is very, very important, okay? Yes. And then one of the, the last things I highlight, especially for your podcast, podcast is actually rising. Everyone is uh, moving now to listen more to podcasts and there's a lot of opportunities out <laughs> of the podcast is how can you use this time to tell uh, your the brand story yeah. um, in an even longer form where you don't have this opportunity and other quick social media platforms or, or or interviews that you're having. So we're seeing podcasts as a ri rising now. Uh, yeah, and all the companies are looking forward to invest even more in, in podcasts. That's great. Mm. Well, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs>
<laughs> so let's move on to campaign success. Obviously, Pepsi is mm. known for having some really fantastic mm. campaigns. Can you tell us some that you've worked on that you've loved? Yeah. I have a I few. I can just imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a few. I have a few that... They're very close to my heart. So there are a lot of interesting programs, but there are, I would say, three very close to my heart. The first one I started, and I told you uh, that was part of my career, was Expo 2021. Yeah. It was... That would have been... One of the milestones in my career, I have to tell you. Yeah, please, <laughs> tell us. Uh, so we, we were a small but mighty team. I have to say cross-functional team, uh, marketing, commercial, communication. Um, and the expo was six months, but actually we've been working on this project for a few years. Mm. But the six month of expo has been unbelievable. Every day we're doing something different. Wow. We had three pavilions there. Uh, we had a Pepsi and a Lace pavilion. We had an Aquafina and a Gatorade. And every single pavilion, every day we're thinking of it. What are the activities that yeah. we can uh, have there for our consumers? We were bringing global talents um, between like football talents, music talents. We had Amr Zip concert there. Mm. We had Usain Bolt coming and doing a marathon. Like it has been an ongoing thrill, wow, I have to tell I you. So it has it has been one of my milestones uh, for sure in my career milestones. Um, the second one was when I moved to the global role. One yes. of the key priorities that I was managing is uh, the UEFA football partnership. Um, so PepsiCo is a global partner for the UEFA uh, through our brands Pepsi, Gatorade, and Lay's, and we have uh, something called the kickoff show, mm. which is the celebration event that takes place before the final UEFA. And every year we have an artist that we bring and we have a great show that we perform before uh, the finals and when I joined the global role that was my first assignment oh my gosh how incredible oh it was amazing uh, this year we had Camilla Cabello she oh. was the uh, the artist and just working with her uh, developing the earned media strategy uh, her interviews the broadcast oh, wow. and then being there on the pitch during the training and the rehearsals it is. It was out of the world, honestly. <laughs> it was a, a great experience. <laughs> and then the final one, we have a program. This is very close to my heart. It's called Gatorade 5v5. Mm. So it's an annual football tournament. Uh, it's a global one where we target, I wouldn't say the kids, but youth from 14 to 16. And they're part of a six-month football tournament where we work with them to elevate their football skills. We uh, bring global talents to coach them. We yes. offer them nutritional advice and then the winning team attends the UEFA finals um, and what made it very close to my heart is not only that we're targeting kids that I've seen the impact on my kids mm. so wow. I have to tell you a very funny story I was in the car with my daughter my elder daughter her name is Farida she's 15 years old and I was uh, uh, she had her friend with us in the car and both of them they play football and her friend was telling her oh Farida I have to tell you last week I was in this awesome tournament called uh, sponsored by Gay trade uh, we were playing we had Chris Fate show he was there um, and uh, and then if we won we would have went to the UEFA final it has been an epic uh, experience and you were driving and I was like <laughs> I had like had this big smile on my face and I turned to her and I was like you know that my company is actually organizing this event Mama Ronda. And, uh, yeah and I'm going to the finals next week and she was like oh my god your mom is so cool and then <laughs> what everyone wants yeah. to hear <laughs> but the smile that I found on my child face it was just out of the world she was so proud and then the impact on those kids that yes. to just be part of this experience uh 
it it really it like it touched my heart big time. And that since then this program has a special place oh, in my I heart. Oh, I bet it does yeah. because you're a cool mom now. <laughs> <laughs> so so my last question on the business front is uh, more around storytelling because I know it's a big part of you know what you do uh, when it mm. comes to advertising communications. How do you approach storytelling uh, to connect with diverse audiences? Yeah, it's a very very good question. And um, um, in PepsiCo, one of our uh, uh, I would say key strategies um, and focus and priorities is being human centric, mm. and it's very different than customer and consumer centric. And I have to tell you the difference. Okay, when you're a consumer centric. You look at the purchase habits of your consumers. So mm. what do you have in your shopping cart? Which restaurants do you go to? Um, uh, um, uh, what are the products that you pick? So it's very, I would say, transactional yes. focused versus human centric is looking at what's your passion point. OK, so Nikki, I don't know. You love sports. You love um, football. OK, so looking at those interests and just creating stories, campaigns, initiatives that is aligned with those passion points. Um, so there's a, a huge shift in how we are driving both our communication and our marketing yeah, strategies moving forward. And based on this human centricity model, there is a lot of way of actually up do, uh, developing our storytelling. Then based on uh, human centricity approach that we have, our strategy is focused on, I would say, four key pillars. One, based on this human approach, people first. Okay, So before we create any story or coming up with any campaign, we need to understand our consumers very well. Where they are, what are they doing? Um, for example, for media, trade media is different than consumer media mm. versus influencers, social. So again, going back to the one size fit all, it doesn't, it doesn't actually work right now. So being people first in our communication and really understanding your consumers. The second one is, uh, we call it the brand pulse, okay? Mm. So we need to keep the conversation live with our consumers. You cannot just have, and we call it the, the thunderclap moment <laughs> where you have a one big campaign and then you're silent for the you whole year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> And the, the, your consumers do not listen or hear from you. You need to maintain mm. this ongoing conversation with your consumers. And again, going back to their uh, passion point. And the third one is being culturally relevant and going back to listening and monitoring the conversation and where your brand can play a role and be part of, of this conversation and use it as an opportunity for um, unique storytelling. Yes. And the last one I would say is personal leadership. Uh, so for our leadership, uh, how can they be authentic and how can they drive this authenticity both internally and externally? Internally, engaging your employees, taking them along mm. the way in, in, in your strategy, and your plan, and externally showing the added value that you're bringing as an organization to the community externally. Yeah, fantastic. We're wrapping up. However, before we go, I've got a couple of other questions a little bit more out of the box. If you were to wake up tomorrow with an entirely different career, completely different to what you're doing now, what would it be? Oh. <laughs> um. Like, what's the first thing that came to your mind? Uh, oh, yeah, the first thing that came to your mind. I'm just thinking, but wait, wait, yeah, I'll keep on thinking. It's like the first thing that pops is the sea, the sea, anything related to the sea. So I'm you in. didn't see yourself in a captain's uniform, like at the front of the boat? Not to that extent, but anything in the sea. Like, uh, I don't know. I would love to live in the sea. And, and this is actually my retirement plan, me okay. and my husband. Yeah. One day we'll retire near the sea and any uh, related activities, we'll be doing it. For well, sure. he planted that seed in your, on your yes, honeymoon. Exactly, so he's yeah. been working on that for a while. That's, that's our plan. <laughs> My second um, 
um, question is, what is your go-to karaoke song? Do you sing at karaoke? Are you a participant yeah. or an audience <laughs> member? No, um, I do karaoke once do? in a while with my friends. <laughs> I think always the first thing I ask for is Hotel California. Oh, uh, yes, where. that's a good one. But I love it. I, I love, love it in the music. I, I love it. So, yeah, the first thing, Hotel California. So lastly, what would your, what is it called when you're in prison and having your last meal? Oh, my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> Just the last meal. So wait, okay. wait, not necessarily. <laughs> it doesn't have to be prison. That, that's a funny way to end this uh, <laughs> podcast, guys. I'm in prison. Meet you next time. Okay, wait a second. <laughs> if there was a last meal, <laughs> what would it be? Thank you. Pasta. Pasta. I say, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a pasta and a pizza kind of person. I'm very weak when it comes to carbs. So like what? Spaghetti, bolognese? Yeah. Like get specific. Any pasta i would say oh, any lasagna mm. white sauce red sauce yeah like i think one of as well my my i would say retirement plans italy like yeah. i'll go to italy sailing to italy <laughs> perhaps oh my as god the captain. that's amazing class we're done <laughs> amazing mena thank you so much for joining us on she leads away it has been so fun really having a conversation with you thank you so much for having me <laughs> thanks for joining us on she leads the way with mena zeki we'll see you next time bye I don't know. Thank if you that, so much. Does that work? I don't know. <laughs> it, does. it does. All right. <laughs> <laughs>